sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It's our Thursday edition of Fantasy Sports Today, getting you ready for the NFL weekend and also getting you ready for the big day in Major League Baseball that is ahead. And in terms of last night in the National League Championship Series, well, all you needed to dedicate was about 15 minutes and one inning to your night, and you knew exactly who was going to win that game. American League, a little bit of a different story, as at least for one day, the Houston Astros are feeling pretty good about themselves. Well, we're feeling good about ourselves as well. Craig Miss, Joe Pizapia for the next two hours here with you on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. And Joe, certainly those baseball games were completely different. One game was over <laughs> in the first inning. Other game you had to watch till the end. Yeah, well, if you spent the 15 minutes, you got to run per minute. So that's a pretty good ratio right there pretty as much. far as I'm concerned. That sounds pretty fun to me. But yeah, the uh, the Dodgers bats woke up, that's for sure. It was not a good start, not a good outing for Mr. Kyle Wright, who we talked about yesterday, who had been on a really good run, and then ran into the Dodgers. And, and let me just tell you, Max Muncy, one of those underrated guys in Major League Baseball. You know, going into this season, he had back-to-back years of 35 home runs. And the last two days, two home runs for this guy. Max Muncy's heating up. Bellinger's heating up. It looks like the Dodgers are not done yet. And it looks like, at least for one more day, the Astros are not done yet either. Great start there from Granke. And uh, it seemed from a lot of clips that I saw, a lot of great managing moments by Dusty Baker, too. Just personal moments. And people forget it's not just about pushing buttons and not just about the stats. It's about the human beings. He had a great moment there where Zach Granke was actually smiling with him. And I don't know if I've ever seen that. Yeah, it was. it's just really I, – I think that both series have been compelling even with the idea that, that there's a chance that Houston can go home at any day. But uh, definitely the story is that L.A. is right back in this thing. And if Kershaw can pitch well tonight – I think we could be headed for a long series, but again, more mm-hmm. pressure on L.A. They certainly rose to the challenge yesterday. All right, our headlines here on the show today. Unfortunately, a member of the Falcons uh, ended up testing positive for COVID-19. ESPN at first had players. Now it's uh, maybe somebody on the staff. And again, they're, they're not practicing right now. But the one thing that we don't do here is we don't try to get ahead of ourselves and figure this stuff out. So... Fantasy perspective, be on guard. No doubt about that. I'm already looking at the waiver wire. I'm a Matt Ryan owner. Uh, I'm a, a Madison owner. And, and I think you got to at least start looking into that. You can hope for the best, but expect the worst. And that's been the 2020 year and the fantasy season. No doubt about that. Uh, Dodgers score 11 runs in the first. Game was over. I didn't have to watch much of this one last night. Turned it off and then went over to the Astros. As they played well, Altuve Homer started at second base, played well, beat the mm-hmm. beat the Tampa Bay Rays. So they live to face another day, and they are certainly up against it with no pitchers left. But we'll see. Maybe they can uh, eke out another game here. Uh, Tony Larusa, maybe the manager of the Chicago White Sox again, did not see this coming for a second time. Larusa, of course, an executive with the Diamondbacks, then with the Red Sox, now with the Angels, and has decided that maybe wants to throw his skipper cap back in the ring with chicago we'll see good news for the patriots maybe double good news for the patriots coming today we'll see the first part of this is that cam newton has rejoined them so of course huge upgrade for anybody that they're going to be playing at quarterback no doubt and then bad news for alabama's crimson tide is nick saban tested positive for covid19 steve sarkeesan is going to coach the team for the time being saban will do it from his house my guess is he'll be on the phone someone will have a phone on the sidelines against georgia this weekend 
or, or we could be headed toward that as well. And for those of you who follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, I reported a short time ago that it is the Dolphins, the front runners for uh, Le'Veon Bell. But as we speak right now, the New England Patriots, knowing that the Dolphins are involved, are trying at the last minute here to sign Le'Veon Bell. The Buffalo Bills are also involved as well. So at least from what I'm hearing, it's one of those three teams earlier today, ESPN. According to ESPN, uh, they have the Chiefs involved as well. I, I did not hear that today. So it's Miami, it's New England, and it's Buffalo for the services of Le'Veon Bell. So basically, Joe, everybody but the Jets in the division. Mm. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Reminds me of a fellow named Favre who kind of wanted to stick it to another organization, doesn't it? It's a little reminiscent, just going to say. And uh, Le'Veon Bell wants a chance to play against Adam Gase. And you know what? If he's smart, he'll go with Buffalo, or he'll go, obviously, with the Patriots because there's a chance to be in the playoffs there. And I think there's always, you know, those playoff shares or still money in the bank there. And uh, the opportunity uh, is priceless for him to go against Adam Gase twice and i think that's what we're looking at now and it's kind of crazy that we are here but we are and uh, the Le'Veon bell adam gay saga and drama continues on and on and look it would be a great signing for buffalo there's no doubt about that singletary's a nice player and zach moss we had a lot of hope for him to be uh, fantasy relevant coming into this year but so far some injuries have kind of held him back a little bit unfortunately so why not Le'Veon bell look if you're the bills right now you're all in you believe in your quarterback you believe in your defense i think the one thing that you could really add to this team is a is a viable veteran running back presence the one thing they don't have it's one thing they did have last year with frank gore so adding Le'Veon bell especially in that wrinkle into the passing game too look whether or not you think Le'Veon bell is the same player he was a couple years ago with pittsburgh that's moot he is not can he still be a player that catches the ball in the backfield? Can he still be a player that helps your team in reality and in fantasy? If he lands in the right spot, I think the answer is yes. And I think any of those three spots are upgrades over where he was with the Jets. So that's my take on that, Craig. Yeah, and I don't know for fantasy what, what it'll mean moving forward, but at least those three spots, especially Miami and New England, I think, have the best, uh, most volume opportunities there. I would think at least in Buffalo, they just drafted a kid in Moss. And, and look, Singletary at this point, I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be a superstar player in the NFL, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it how it ends up. And, and of course, we'll follow that for you today. We may have an answer on that today before even the end of the show. So certainly we will see. Also, general manager of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, steps down. So we'll have to update that story for you as well. Lots happening today here as we start the show. But we got plenty more to come. Got fantasy standouts from last night in Major League Baseball, NL, AL, and a little bit later, dive into some fantasy football. Don't go away. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here with you on Sports Grid. We are here for you every Monday through Friday from noon to 2 Eastern. So make sure you tune in. If not live, check us out on demand on our YouTube channel and over, of course, sportsgrid.com. We'll give you all of the outlets where you can watch our show, whether it is live, on demand. We're here for you. Also, our show audio-wise is also on iTunes. So those of you who are at work and can't watch video or your boss is going to come over and see you watching video on your laptop, just you know, put an earphone in. 
Go over to the iTunes store, download us as a podcast. You can listen to us every day or Google, Android, whatever you have. You people are at work? I thought everybody's at home. I mean, at this point, come on. There's got to be some people at work, I think. I, somebody's, I think somebody's at work. Somebody, somebody's at work, I think. Yeah, be a few Followed people. By now. Yeah. Not us. Yeah, I think, I think a few. In, in Florida, we're all at work. We're all, we're all working. Uh, oh, yeah, you're working all right. Everyone's working. Florida, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> National League Championship Series fantasy standouts. They're all on the Dodgers, of course, as they just blew up last night. Actually, they blew up the other night and scored a lot of runs uh, Mm -hmm. in the loss and then really carried that over. But Corey Seager has had a nice postseason. Three hits, a home run, three RBIs, three runs. I have to keep an eye on him for next year, see what his price ends up being. Max Muncy, two hits, a home run, four RBIs, two (laughs) runs, two walks. Jock Peterson also getting back involved in the lineup and homering. And then it should come as no surprise that Cody Bellinger homeward. And Joe, before we get to the American League Championship, this is certainly the danger when you're playing against the Dodgers because at any time, and you think about it, I believe they scored six or seven runs in the ninth inning the game before, and then mm-hmm. 11 runs, I think, in the first inning after that. And, and and this is why they're never out of it. It's the reason why San Diego was never out of the games that they played against L.A. too. When you have that kind of power, you can really expose it. I think it's it's very interesting for me moving forward because let's just make the assumption that that the Dodgers, who are a prohibitive favorite today, I think minus 250 or something like that, let's say they do win today. Mm-hmm. What are the Braves going to do in Game 7? They can't bring back Kyle Wright, right, after he got blown up by the Dodgers. Oh, so all gosh, of a sudden, I don't think if so. the Dodgers win, <laughs> it, it completely shifts, I think, over to them again. No, I would agree. And, and the worst part, too, if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, I feel like you've been here before, you know, where you were favorites in series or you had leads in series. And over the last 20 years where things just did not go your way. And then I feel like, you know, <laughs> some of those some of those ghosts start to creep in a little bit. I know it's Halloween time, but it starts to get real spooky. And you start to remember all those teams that Al was promised and fell short. But this is what happens when you don't have that veteran presence that I was talking about yesterday. That guy, whether it's Dallas Keuchel or somebody else, that you could throw out there and say, okay, we feel good about this veteran in this huge spot in a seventh game. And I just think it's a lot to ask any of these young pitchers who have all performed very admirably in the last month or so. Absolutely have. Anderson has, Wright has up until yesterday, and and same with Max Fried. He's been terrific. But overall, it's very tough, and it's very tough against a lineup that's as good as the Los Angeles Dodgers lineup. But Corey Seager has been somebody we've been talking about. I know on the DFS podcast I host for for weeks and weeks now, it just keeps coming up because we keep talking about how good his splits are and how all the the deeper stats have all improved and how this guy's finally developing into the player maybe a little bit later than we anticipated. But I remember when Corey Seager first came up the following year, this was a guy who was being drafted in leagues somewhere around the end of the first, beginning of the second round. Like he was a wraparound consensus guy. And then ever since, the stock's been falling and falling and falling and injuries crept up and everything. But all of a sudden this year in 60 games, it's really come back with a vengeance. Now the question is, it's a small sample size, right? 60 games is not 160. Okay, it's a big difference. So I think there will be a lot of people in the fantasy community that still won't believe but I don't know, Craig. I'm starting to believe when you watch him take these at-bats and you watch how hard he's hitting the uh, baseball, to me it looks like a guy who might finally be starting to realize that promise. And he's not that old. It's not like he's 35 years old all of a sudden. Go, oh, look, we finally got him. I mean, he's still not even 30. Yeah, and had Tommy John surgery. Missed almost a year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think that there's still some growth for him for sure and plays in a great lineup too. I mean, we, I mean look at this lineup, the four players we mentioned. No mention of Mookie Betts, Justin Turner even. Those are two good hitters as well. And that Mookie now Betts moment too, Craig, by the way, real quick, that Mookie Betts moment too where he is safe at first and not out, how replay might have changed that entire dynamic yeah. of that first inning. And yeah. you think about that and the difference between what baseball is now and where you have the replay, you had that replay, you got it right, and it was the right call. 
and then the floodgates opened. Had Mookie Betts been out there, all of a sudden you got to wonder, huh? I wonder if this inning even happens. But it is that is the moment there where this basically just completely changed, and it could have changed the whole series potentially too. Yeah, and, and then Mookie came out of the game a couple innings later. They decided yeah. to call off the dog. All right, American League Championship Series. Of course, this was going to be the Rays starting off and falling behind, catching up. They only do it one way. It's always Randy or Rosarina, and here he is again. Another hit, home run, two RBIs for him. The guy has just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is as hot as any player I've ever seen over a month period, especially in the postseason. George Springer, three hits, a home run. He's we probably he, George Springer probably doesn't get enough discussion too. This guy's been fantastic mm-hmm. for them. Uh, two RBIs, a run scored. Jose Altuve also has done a lot for them. Can't dismiss his offense, and also showed up defensively yesterday. And then uh, Zach Greinke came through. They're going to need him again if they're going to win this series. They may have to throw him tomorrow. Six innings pitch, seven strikeouts, five hits, one walk, and two strikeouts. But I guess I guess the thought process with a Rosarina is that nobody could ever do this. No one could ever be this hot. Austin Riley was like this last year, and mm-hmm. and Aquino was like this last year too. But I mean, we're basically regardless of what happens. I think Joe with a Rosarina over the next what week and a half. I think that's all we got left mm-hmm. here between LCS and the World right. Series. This guy has made a huge name for himself with what he's done. Yeah. And I, I suppose if he goes 0 for 17, we may change our opinion over the next week or two. But as long as he just shows up for the next few games and then either gets to the World Series or not, I assume he will. He's going to be a huge name <laughs> in baseball. Well, and in I'm already trigging, trying to figure out the uh, the ADP or where we're looking at him going into the season because I'm already in the baseball black book right now for 2021. We're already talking about and having these conversations about certain players, and he is one of them. You should be excited about him, but there's got to be a little bit of skepticism too. It, it's starting to feel a little bit more like J.D. Martinez, uh, Nelson Cruz, guys who were big prospects. It didn't happen right away for their respective teams, and ironically, it didn't happen right away in Houston for both of those guys. And it took them moving on to a second organization to get that kind of life. And they were both about that same age, somewhere around 26 years old or so. So I think that that's something to also keep in mind that sometimes it's a different organization. It's a different voice. And all of a sudden you get the most out of a player. And it's starting to look like that. And Rosarina just has not quit. The confidence is sky high. I can't wait to see what happens next year if there is some struggles there with him and how he adjusts. Because the league will adjust. You and I both know that. I don't think there's been enough time for the league to adjust to him. So for me, I'm still going to be somebody that won't reach for him. I'll be very happy to have him on my team. I will very be very happy to draft him in the later rounds. But if you're asking me to spend a fifth round pick on a Rosa Arena, I can't do it. Uh, somewhere around seven, eight, nine. Okay, now we're talking where I want to take a shot on a guy. Maybe uh, we talked about uh, Jordan Alvarez uh, recently too. Would you take which one of those guys? And I think I would still take Alvarez because of how good he was in the minor leagues and how much of the league had already seen him and how they could not stop him no matter what. There's a longer sample size there, I think, around the board. But let's also not lose the Altuve moment here. And uh, talking about Dusty Baker in our first segment here, I saw him out there before the game. They were showing some clips on MOB Network of the two of them talking and Altuve laughing and Dusty Baker, you know, kind of being like the Italian dad, like, hey, hold the, the grandpa, hold him by the face at times and talking to him. And Altuve was laughing and he seemed loose. And what does he do? He goes out there in the first inning and drops an absolute bomb and later has a big hit as well. So it was great to see Altuve kind of bounce back. And I understand the reason for concern, but this is why you got to ride your captains, your guys, your dudes. These are the guys you're there in the first place with. When you stop showing confidence in them, 
that's when everything falls apart. And at least they got this win. At least I think Altuve can take a sigh of relief. Whatever happens, at least I think whatever was troubling him, I think you can put that to bed in terms of the yips or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, hopefully so. And and of course, no one wants to see that. I know people do, and they're very cynical about it, but I don't want to see it. I'd rather see him have to face real pitching and not have to worry about something mental hurting him. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that. I'd, I'd like to see, look, I would like to see seven games out of both these series and I don't have a dog in the fight. So it'd be interesting for me to see if the Astros can pull it together for one more game and then at least get to the point where you put the pressure on the other team. Cause right now there's still really no pressure on Tampa Bay. They only have to win one more, but if Houston wins today, then all of a sudden, I, I think that changes a little bit like the Heat and the Lakers when they played in that mm-hmm. seven-game series about a week ago for sure. So we'll see. Uh, okay, coming up next, we have the update, and then we'll play a little game. Is the wrong team favored based on the current lines on the FanDuel Sportsbook in the NFL? So make sure you stay tuned. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you here on this Thursday, and we'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you. We're going to play a game, Is the Wrong Team Favored? And before we do that, just a quick update. Uh, ESPN reports uh, the Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski, sent Odell Beckham Jr. home today with an illness. Nothing more, nothing less disclosed at this point. So we'll have to see on that continuing, which is without a doubt the worst fantasy football and regular NFL season of all time this year and here in 2020. What an absolute nightmare it is on a daily basis trying to get this figured out. It, this is honestly far worse than I, th- I thought it would be bad. I did not think it would be this bad. I, I did not think we'd be at the point where I am constantly worried about everyone on my team. Like every day, every second, it just never changes. And and look, I know that Beckham hasn't been great. I know he had his best game of the year recently, but still, like, man, like you just you can't count on anything going into a Sunday. Uh, at least that's the way no, I feel. About it. I, it's it's funny you say that because just today with this whole Falcon stuff. Just today, I finally had that sinking feeling of, you know, this is kind of how I feel about season-long baseball. You know, I started off for a couple weeks. I was setting lineups. I was making transactions. And after that, I went, this is this is, this is futile. What am I doing here? I'm wasting time. I am basically shouting at the moon. <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing here. Uh, I can't control this in any fashion. And it's frustrating because as somebody like you that puts a lot of energy, time, effort, well, I put more preparation than NFL to you. You you wake up the day before and do your draft. I know how you feel about the NFL preparation. You've made that quite clear on the show. But when you put so much yep, preparation no into there. baseball, into football, into the things that we put preparation to, all jokes aside, it's frustrating because usually good preparation leads to success. I mean, it's just that's the MO. That's why we're here. That's why we do these things. That's why this network exists, for God's sake. But at the same time, today was the first day here, six weeks into the season, where I felt like the same thing. Like, I, this is futile. I'm shouting at the moon. And this is why I transferred a lot of my attention in baseball to the daily world. And the same thing with football right now. I have much more hyper-focus. I can't tell you. I spent time yesterday making lineups that had lots of combinations of Madison and Kirk Cousins and all these guys on FanDuel that I was really excited about using in Thielen. Okay, I really I love Minnesota in their building against this Falcons defense. I'm not buying it. I'm not doing it. 
and and now now it's all out the window all that time energy spent so it's frustrating there's no doubt about it yeah it's just it, for me at this point and and I was uh I was texting today with somebody just basically saying like you know <laughs> I mean, there, there's got there's got to be an alternative that, but but we signed up for this. And, and look, if you're playing, you signed up for it. Thank goodness, I I basically dismissed any league that I had no interest in this year because I anticipated some of it. But yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm Matt Ryan in a league, and I'm like, wait a second here, I I I, I took a backup quarterback, but then after a couple of weeks, I felt comfortable and I caught him, and now I have none. So yeah, it's 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 part of that, but. Okay, is the games that we think are going to happen this week, and we're going to get into them in a minute. They're interesting, but I thought fun comments made yesterday by Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores because for the first time, I think in years, and, and it may—I don't even know how long it has been since the Dolphins were double-digit favorites in an NFL game, and we we I may have to go back to Chad Pennington on this. Like we're we're talking a <laughs> long time for them to be this big favorites over any team. And honestly, for them to be a favorite in any game hasn't happened in almost two years. And the head coach of the Dolphins, Brian Flores, was asked about not necessarily uh, playing the favorite, but also just how it's felt the last couple of years always being the underdog. Yeah, I'm not a big, uh, what is it, bad betting odds? I'm not, you know, I'm not really big on that. I don't really... Plus, minus, uh, I'm not over-unders. I'm not, I don't really follow that or really understand it very much. So, um, you know, the underdog role, that's not really something I think about. I mean, I just, we just try to go out there, prepare uh, for each opponent, um, give our best effort and try to win every week. So, if somebody thinks that we're, I mean, I don't know, I don't really honestly don't know much about spread, so. Um, uh, the underdog role, uh, it's not something I really think about too, too much. And it's not something that gives me a source of, you know, motivation. I think if you're not motivated to play in this league, then you don't belong in this league. So whether you're an underdog or not an under underdog or, uh, so it's not really something I put much, much stake into quite honestly. Well, you know, you know that he was definitely he was with the Patriots. You know that, right? So you knew that that oh, was. I was so Belichickian and couldn't believe it. I mean, if you didn't nod off during that, wake up, wake up! It's fancy sports today. Get up right now. That is amazing. Well done. That's two days in a row now. You're killing it with these clips. I love it. But uh, that was the most Belichick answer you can have. I don't understand over unders. Um, yeah, I'm, I sometimes I'm over, sometimes I'm under. It doesn't make much of a difference. I mean, it is you, that's you, it. And look, what, what do you think? What do you think that that's honestly coach. true? You think he really doesn't uh, know about the breads? Well, I, I can believe Coach is not paying attention to that or caring about that. it. Understanding I with that. it, I would be very shocked if a if a, as somebody who played as long as he played <laughs> your whole work life. Yeah, dedicated and it's to very football? simple. You don't know hey, Brian, let me, let me explain it to you. Right, over means you're going to score combined more points than that. Under, I, I can even buy that. Honestly, I can even buy that. But you, you that got to know that when you're a seven point favorite or seven point underdog. I mean, I, I mean, especially if your whole entire life has been in, in coaching in in professional and playing. And college football. It's not like he wasn't a good player too, Flores. I mean, he was out there for a couple of years, he was a good player. Yeah. Uh, look, man, I, that that was. That was unbelievable, it's, it, and I, it caught me off guard because I, I thought there was going to be something there eventually, and then it just continued to get more and more. And I mean, he might as well just cut his sleeves off in the middle of that conversation. Like, he might as well right. just 
put up a hood. A lot, a lot of off, interviews are very much like that. A lot of them are. But and I was very, it piqued my interest today because when I heard the betting stuff come up, I'm like, oh, let's let's get that for the show. Hey, man, so. I, I give that, look, I know we have stuff to do, but let me just last thing here. I can't tell you how much credit I give that guy for having this team show up last year in the games they showed up in, especially the last Definitely. game of the season in New England, and showing up the way they did last week in San Fran. Coming off a game where they looked terrible, they showed up in San Fran ready to play, and they whooped their behinds in that game. That I got to give Flores a lot of credit, man. I think they got the right guy there. I really do. And at this point, of all of the former Patriot guys, I got to and, and look, I'm not a Dolphins fan, even though I, I, I live in South Florida and I grew up mm-hmm. here. I'm just I'm mm-hmm. a fan of, of fantasy and I'm a fan of cashing the ticket. That's all I care about. But I would say impartially, I think this guy has a shot to be better than all of the other guys with New England. Oh, sure. I think well, that he the bar's pretty low, ball. but yeah. <laughs> You're right, but the bar's no, pretty I, low, but yeah. It's not saying much. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's not saying much. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Sunday, let, let's take a look at our first is the wrong team favorite game of the day here. We have the Chicago Bears at the Carolina Panthers, both teams having surprisingly good seasons. And so the, the odds makers have made Carolina – a point and a half favorite in this game. Joe, is the wrong team favored in this game? Are they not giving enough credit to the Bears for their start, making them an underdog? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think you're right. I don't think they are giving enough credit to the Bears. I think the wrong team is favored here, and they're not favored by much, which tells you a lot. Uh, They're basically favored. Why? Basically because they're at home. But I know the Bears' offense has some issues, but uh, the Carolina Defense does not play well against the run. So this is a great opportunity for David Montgomery to actually show up and have a decent game. So uh, if they can run the football effectively, that opens things up. Allen Robinson's always going to be good. The defense is pretty good. Uh, I think that the Panthers have made the most of the schedule they've had, and that's what you got to do. you got to beat the teams in the NFL that you think that you can beat, especially when personnel-wise you do not match up against them. Mike Davis has played great football. Teddy Bridgewater's been really good. You can feel a confidence brewing with this team, which is great. But I don't think they should be favored in this game against the Bears. And I don't think either of these teams necessarily are going to go have great prolific playoff runs this year. But I do think the Bears should be favored in this game. And I would take the Bears side of this game as the quote upset. What do you think? Very, very tough call for me on this one, uh, because I don't think that we really know the identity of either of these teams yet. And they're both exceeding expectations. I kind of think Carolina has a shot to be a lot better than everyone thought based on their offense and their coaching is fantastic too. But if you made the Bears a favorite in this, the world would take Carolina because you couldn't make them a home underdog. In general, that's like an automatic circle when that happens. So Mm -hmm. I don't think the wrong team is favored. And and for this game in particular, and look, if there are games that are postponed and canceled, maybe I'll have to get involved in this one. But as of right now, I really don't have any interest. So it would be a guess for me on a 50-50 shot. Not even worth going for it. Uh, have a better opinion here on this one, though. Sunday, 425 Eastern, one of the two later games in the afternoon. We have the Green Bay Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Green Bay actually opened up as a bigger favorite in this game. Two and a half, then went to two, then went to two and a half, uh, one and a half, now down to one. And the Packers are one-point favorites. Joe, at Tampa Bay, I think the right team is favored in this game. And and I, I'm mm-hmm. done trying to go against Green Bay and those numbers that they put up statistically last year that were awful and basically didn't tell you what the record should be. Rodgers is playing at an extremely high level. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are sort of hit and miss. I still think Tampa Bay is good for their nine wins, maybe ten. But they definitely have warts on that team. And, and I think the Packers have a shot to win. So... Uh, irrespective of what the final score is, I think the line is right. I think that Green Bay should be a point favorite or two-point favorite in this one. 
I was going to say, I think it actually should be more. So I think the right team is favored here, too. And uh, look, especially with a potentially healthy addition of Devontae Adams back into this lineup, that's a huge addition here for Aaron Rodgers. That wide receiving core was hurting bad. And I know Godwin looks like he's going to play for this one, too. But Evans is banged up. And look, for me, I actually think I'm surprised they're not two and a half point favorites in that game, to be honest with you. And I think I like the over in that game as well. Monday night football, we have Arizona at Dallas. Arizona's minus a point and a half against the Cowboys. And simply put, for me, the wrong team is not favored here. You have no idea what Andy Dalton's going to look like, and Dallas's defense has played poorly. That being said, could Dallas very easily win this game? No question about it. But, Joe, I think the right team is favored here. I, I definitely think that you, you can't make Dallas a favorite again. <laughs> they let you down almost every game this season, and you have no clue how Dalton's going to play. But I think the line uh, is right. I, I think the wrong team is favored. I would switch it the other side. I would have the, the Cowboys by a point and a half personally just because they are at home and because Arizona's defense is not good, and they just lost Chandler Jones for the year too. I think that is a huge loss that people aren't talking about. All right, coming up next, Andrew Erickson makes his weekly appearance on the show. How good is Chase Claypool? Can he be a wide receiver too the rest of the season? We'll find out if it's possible. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, yo, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And it's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's time for one of the best minds of fantasy football to join us from Pro Football Focus. He's the one, the only, Andrew Erickson. Andrew, I see you're sporting the Dodger hat today. The question is, uh, did you go and massage Clayton Kershaw's back at all in the last 24 hours? Have you, have you made it a point to get out there and go and see him and visit him and maybe work out the kinks, whatever's going on for your boy? I mean, I haven't left my house in months, so uh, I, I'm way too deep into into week six projections, week six, week six stats. I, I'm too locked into football. Yeah, and this was even before the quarantine. Andrew just never went out. All he did was watch football stats and go through stuff. That's all he's doing, and that's why he's a good guest, and that's why you should always check out his work at PFF. So let's do a little past, present, and future, as we always do, and let's talk about the past of Week 5 a little bit, things we could take away. First of all, it looked like the Tennessee Titans were um, pretty good. Didn't seem like the layoff bothered them at all. Uh, A.J. Brown getting healthy, John New Smith continuing to be good. Second half of that game, Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry. Uh, my question for you is this. The T.J. Yeldon thing that you saw catching balls, you know, they are the lowest team in the NFL in terms of the percentage of their targets going to the running back position. Clearly, Derrick Henry is not the pass catching back that, uh, you know, people wish that he could be maybe. But do you think this is a trend going forward or is this just a one off game plan thing here for the way that the uh, Tennessee Titans rolled? I mean, it's kind of what they've always been. You know, Derrick Henry's never really been a, a pass catching back, and he wasn't even really playing that much on third downs. I, I honestly only remember him really catching one pass, it was just like a quick screen or something like that. So it's it's really more or less kind of what they've been doing. And, and Tannehill also has mobile upside. We saw that last night. Um, he almost destroyed his leg, which was really weird when he did that little that little jump move. It reminded that uh, Grammatica. Yeah, that's what I, that was. Uh, I was seeing that on Twitter. I was like, oh, my God, no. Is he OK? But yeah, because what's the point of dumping the ball off when he can just scramble? You know, we see this mm. with mobile quarterbacks across right. the board. Uh, you got Kenyon Drake. You know, he's not involved in the passing game because Murray could just take it himself. You know, David Johnson, Deshaun Watson does the same thing. Any of the Ravens running backs, Lamar Jackson just runs. So as long as Tannehill's still moving around, I, I still don't think Henry's going to really involve in the passing game. But 
it really doesn't matter just with his, you know, such sizable workload. It, it will be interesting to see, though, how much work he gets, you know, off a shorter week. You know, again, mm-hmm. coming off a Tuesday, you know, he doesn't have a full, you know, rest period. Again, it, it makes sense that he got a lot of work last night, but um, no, I don't expect him really his past game used just to really change that much. All right. Well, let's talk about obviously another guy who had a huge week five. I mean, the biggest week five of anybody is Chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this guy was on some radars already for fantasy owners, but obviously after this week, the you know roster percentage is going to go way through the roof. And I guess the question to you is, is this a one-off here? I mean, in terms of how many touchdowns he's going to score, of course it's a one-off. But I mean from a fantasy perspective, is this a guy that's now emerging in the offense and maybe taking the role of what Deontay Johnson we hoped would be or was before back-to-back injuries? And that's the whole thing. It's Deontay Johnson between the concussion protocol and now the back issue. Is Claypool going to get an opportunity here? And it's a really good matchup against Cleveland, another team that gives up a ton of yards against the uh, in terms of passing yards. So is this another opportunity here for Claypool to basically double down on another good week? Yeah, I think I wrote about this earlier this week, and it really looks like a win-win situation for Chase Claypool because you have the one scenario where, okay, Deontay Johnson comes back, but the Browns don't really have any cornerbacks. They have Denzel Ward, who's really their only good cornerback, and then, okay, he's probably going to be matched up on Deontay Johnson for the majority of that game with Deontay Johnson playing mostly on the outside. That's where Ward lines up. And the Steelers move their receivers around so much anyway. So mm-hmm. if he gets a better matchup, probably if Deontay Johnson doesn't, if, if Deontay Johnson plays, but then if Deontay Johnson doesn't play, then you're, he's more likely to see more snaps and get more targets. So I kind of see it as a win-win. And, you know, again, we have these offenses where, you know, three receivers can be viable options. Right. Again, Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to, you know, put up a dud like he did last week, every single week. That's not going to happen. And like you said, Claypool's not going to score four touchdowns. But, I mean, we were starting all three Dallas Cowboys wide receivers, like, no problem. So why can't we do the same with, with the Steelers? No, I think you're right. I think we can. And Claypool was impressive. I mean, not just because of the four touchdowns, but, you know, he had some other good moments already in the season, too, where he showed you a little bit of life. And it's just like they are so good, the Pittsburgh Steelers, at finding these wide receivers, drafting these wide receivers. And, you know, last year without Big Ben, everything came crashing down. But when you get him back, all of a sudden, Pittsburgh Steelers offense looking good again. And that's a big positive. Not so much positivity in Dallas, Dak Prescott out for the year terrible injury here so in dallas right now there's not a whole lot of positivity and i can understand why when you lose your franchise quarterback for the year and you only have one win on the season all of a sudden things don't look so hot and i can understand that so dallas cowboys are a team that throws the ball more than anybody else now they've got Andy dalton at quarterback and there's worse quarterbacks to downgrade to let's be honest there's a lot of situations where it can go from bad you know to really 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 bad (laughs) okay and they're just going to a downgrade of a veteran quarterback who has shown that he can you know certainly manage an offense so i guess my question to you is how does the dynamic change if at all for this cowboys team because the defense is going to get better they're still gonna have to push the football i know there's a narrative growing out there that you're going to get a little bit more ezekiel elliott carries and things like that but i don't know if that's necessarily the case and do you take anything out of the early michael gallup looks that Andy Dalton was showing at the end of that Giants game. I guess, you know, it's hard to have a crystal ball with these situations, but if you had to put your best foot forward here with the Cowboys, where do you think things are going here now that Andy Dalton's taken over? Yeah, so the the one thing I noticed just when Andy Dalton was in the game when he first came in is the 
The Cowboys used more two tight end sets. They ran more 12 personnel, and they ran more than they ran up over 20% 12 personnel, which was more than they had run all season with Dak Prescott, you know, in the 12% range. So, and that was probably out of, hey, we're starting, we're missing our two starting tackles. We're already down right. quarterback. We need to get at extra protection and block. So that's kind of the reason why we saw Dalton Schultz have zero catches, zero targets when Dalton was in the game. So, I am kind of fading the tight end in, in Dallas now. I think that you're going to see kind of Schultz fall off a little bit here um, because I think that they're going to be using him more as a blocker. And I think that Gallup, I, I, don't, I think this is a good time to buy Michael Gallup because, mm. again, the consensus is, uh, is kind of down on the Dallas receivers. But, you know, in two tight end sets, you know, Gallup is going to remain that outside receiver. And it's either going to be Lamb or Cooper that comes off the field. You know, one of them is going to not be able to run out of the slot. And that's not to say, you know, CeeDee Lamb is going to, you know, disappear. I mean, we saw Amari Cooper. He's the one that, you know, he's the one that goes ghost more often than not. You know, he disappears sure. in games all the time. So, for me, I think this is a good opportunity to buy Michael Gallup. Um, you know, he's a vertical receiver, and I think that he's a good matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. And just looking back, you know, at some of his splits, he has really good splits with the, without Cowboys tight ends. So, basically, looking last year when Blake Jarwin had really bad games, Michael Gallup had his two best games in 2019. Mm. So, I think that Michael Gallup is a, a buy right now. The talent's there. And, I mean, he wasn't really doing that much with Dak, so I think that this is a good opportunity for him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I like that. And I'm holding my breath with all the C.D. Lamb shares, and hopefully, you know, it's not too much Michael Gallup. But uh, I think you're right. I think the Dalton Schultz uh, stock might be taking a little bit of a hit there, potentially. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, Dallas is in a tough spot here. But then again, so is that whole division. We'll get to that in a second. All right, so that's the past. Let's talk a little bit about the present, because presently, the Atlanta Falcons have changed their head coach and their GM. And I guess the question is, can they change their fortunes? Because I feel like the answer is no. I know they're going to Minnesota this week. And I understand that, well, Houston won their game after they got rid of their coach. Well, yeah, but you know what? They shouldn't have. That game basically should not have gone their way. And it was in their own building. There's no quick fix as far as I'm concerned for the Falcons. And I guess now from a fantasy perspective, I know there's a lot of people who are really, you know, dissatisfied with Matt Ryan and, and rightfully so. Calvin Ridley's been great. Gurley has certainly put up two back-to-back very good fantasy games. So from your perspective, is this kind of just the same going forward here for Atlanta? Are we just going to have, whenever you're playing Atlanta, get all your guys in there and in fantasy shares and daily fantasy shares and keep attacking them? Or do you think there's going to be any sort of change here philosophically for this team going forward? Yeah, I don't expect them to do much against the Vikings, at least on defense. I looked at you know Raheem Morris and Jeff Ulbrich, who kind of got promoted to the defensive coordinator, and both of them have been splitting defensive play calling duties. You know, one of them was calling plays on first and second down, the other one was calling plays on third down and two minute drill. Which I don't know how productive that is to split it up that way. But looking at the splits, they're they're all terrible, <laughs> regardless of what what uh when they're calling them. So I don't expect them the defense to you know step up in the absence of their new head or their coach. So the defense is still going to be terrible. And I think with Matt Ryan, he just needs Julio back in the lineup. Like, you know, the first two weeks of the year, he was averaging over 35 fantasy points per game with Julio healthy and and good to go. And then these last three weeks with a bang to Julio, the guy's barely hitting double digits at the quarterback position. So again, I mean, he just needs Julio. He's not a quarterback that really steps up without his guys. Um, But I mean, I think that with Calvin Ridley, I think he's obviously going to continue to be a stud, but the way that this Falcons team is trending, you know, in the downward trajectory, I wouldn't mind, you know, potentially shipping off Ridley for another, you know, wide receiver one or RB one. Just the fact of, hey, this this team could head south real quick. 
Yeah, it's starting to feel that same kind of situation there. All right, let's talk about James Robinson for a moment. And this is an intriguing one because this was a guy that we were talking a few weeks ago. Man, this guy looks like a league winner. He looks like the guy that you picked off waivers in week one or before the season started. And you go, oh, my goodness, he's been so good. In the last couple of games, not as good. Had the big fumble in that Houston game that we were kind of mentioning. Now he's got a really good matchup against Detroit. I guess my, my question to you is going to be this. If he kind of underperforms again, are you at all worried about James Robinson starting to lose carries a little bit? Or do you think that maybe we missed the window to sell high on this guy? Because this is kind of the conversation we're all having of which James Robinson are we going to get here going forward the rest of the season? The guy we saw the first couple of weeks and the guy we saw the last two weeks. And I know it's a tough spot here, but if you had to put your money somewhere, where would it be? Yeah, the problem is with the way they use him near the goal line and where the Jacksonville Jaguars offense just uses. So they throw at the second highest rate inside the 10-yard line. They are not giving him goal line carries, and it's the same issue with David Montgomery. You know, Both those teams, it's no, it's not that their running backs are bad at the goal line, it's that they elect to throw, which is why you have Gardner Minch with such a high touchdown rate, and it's why these running backs, even like Edward Solaire, the Chiefs are another team that throw a lot inside the 10-yard line. So he's not getting the goal line touches, which is concerning. He's seeing the pass game work, but again, I mean, Raquel Armstead, I don't know what the status of this guy is. He seems like he's been on the COVID list for, you know, months. Yeah. Before. I mean, I, I, I hope that he's okay, but I would assume that he's going to come back at some point. Um, I mean, guys have been coming off the list, but he's in a, seems like he's in a special circumstance. But, yeah, I, I mean, James Robinson, I think that if he plays good well against the Lions, I think that he's in a potential, you know, ship-off state. Again, we like opportunity, but at the same time, if players are inefficient with that opportunity, you know, as coaches, what's their job is to make their team better. And right. if they're giving the ball to a guy that's not doing, you know, good things with the ball, then they're going to put the ball elsewhere. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's it's very difficult because it's amazing how quick it's changed. The narrative out there was so positive, and now it's become negative very quickly. All right, I want to talk about two teams here before we head out here. Uh, two teams coming off losses, if you can believe it. They were the juggernaut teams coming into Week 5, and they both took huge L's. We got the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to travel to Buffalo for the Monday 5 o'clock game Eastern time. So when you're looking at these two teams right now, I mean, Kansas City, were they just caught napping? And did Buffalo really just kind of start reading their own press clippings? Like, where do you feel both these teams are, not just from a fantasy perspective, but a reality one after two big losses, really? Yeah, I think they got caught sleepwalking a little bit. I mean, the Titans, all that people heard heard about them was COVID, and they were just practicing on Zoom all week. So, I mean, of course. <laughs> Maybe everybody Bills. else should practice on Zoom because they look great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Bills, I mean, assuming went in there and think, you know, these guys haven't practiced. They're missing half their team. You know, we should be good to go. And, and they got, you know, punched in the mouth, especially Josh Norman. I mean, that guy got more than punched in the mouth. He got he punched got... in the mouth for everybody, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs, you could argue, were sleepwalking the last two weeks. You know, they didn't look great against the Patriots, and I think that they went into, you know, Mahomes is doing this thing where he just kind of runs around. He wants to make every play, you know, Superman. Like, he wants to make all the amazing throws on every single play. He's like, guy, just take what's there. Just take the check down or do this. And, again, he had a lot of, you know, big plays called back as a penalties. So, I, I would expect them. you know them what? Both- they haven't, you know, Clyde Edwards-Lair hasn't had more than 65 yards rushing in a game since that week one either. I wonder if they get back to run the football a little bit more. Yeah, and I, I wonder too if we see DeAndre Washington active. You know, he was mm-hmm. on the, he was upgraded to the practice squad this past week. He was inactive, but I would just keep an eye on that and you see if he can get some more work if he actually plays. All right, he's Andrew Erickson. Go follow him on the Twitter machine at Andrew Erickson underscore and check him out at Pro Football Focus. Good luck to your Dodgers. Good luck to your teams. Always a pleasure talking with you, my friend. I appreciate your time, your knowledge, your wisdom, and your and your hats. I appreciate your hats. We'll be right back. More fancy sports today, right after this. Don't go anywhere. 
BetOnline.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We've got our headlines coming up at the top of the hour before we wrap up this first hour of fantasy sports today. Joe, let's do a little fantasy football trivia to end the hour. Now, I already know you're going to want this player because you want every single running back anyway. You've already made that very clear in your stance because there's just not enough running backs. But let's put ourselves in a little bit of a vacuum right now and tell me, true or false, is this a running back that you want on Craig Mish's fantasy team going forward the rest of the season? 79 carries, eighth in the league, 375 rushing yards, fourth in the league, five touchdowns tied with three other guys for second in the league. True or false? You want this dude on your team, Craig Mish. Of course it's true. It's Todd Gurley. I know it is. It's perfectly fine. Uh, here, here, I, I have the ability to take big L's, and in this case I will with Gurley because he has outperformed anything that I thought that he could do. But there is a but here. That being said, where he stacks up are against a couple of guys who haven't played, like Derrick Henry, and there are some players that he's against that other teams have had buys. Not a lot, but some. And I would also sell the bleep out of this guy immediately if I could right now. But here is the reality of 2020. In a normal season, Joe, I would be looking at this a lot differently. In 2020, yes, you have to want Todd Gurley. He's a living, breathing body that is not hurt. <laughs> so I want him, yes. I want David Johnson, too, right now. Like, I want anybody I who is playing. I feel you. I am hey, I'll do you one better. You want, you want to hear my sob story? Here you go. You ready for this? Scott Fishbowl, mm -hmm. right? I love, remember, we, told, we looked at that draft. I was like, so excited. Remember, a big part of that was a Falcon stack, right? Where I had Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Oh, my goodness. This is not going to be a good week for me and Scott Fishbowl, I can tell you. And I already lost Saquon Barkley for the year on that team. The good news is I took Josh Allen late, but that's not going to be enough to save me. I've lost three in a row since Saquon went down. So, look, the Falcons yeah. right now might be missing this game and the one guy that was kind of still standing besides really was girly and uh i don't know man it's gonna be it's gonna it's be the nature of the it's it's just been completely different than anybody could have anticipated it's been a lot harder than anybody could have anticipated and if a player is healthy and on the field at any position who am i to say that i don't want the player who is anybody to say that they don't want the player i mean you feeling so good about odell beckham two days ago and we don't even know if he's going to be playing this week. It's, this is tough. If they're breathing, if they're playing, give them to me. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.